is Popcorn for Breakfast, presented by St. Louis Area Smoothie Kings. Now, here are your hosts, Cam and Kirk. Well, hello, hello, Popcorn for Breakfastians. Unite, because we are back with a cosmic episode review of the latest MCU installment, The Marvels, or as some highbrow people would call it, The Marvels. Mm. I haven't heard people call it that. I have, but I am not one of the highbrow people. I am just confused at when they call it Marvel. I do think that that bit that they do in the first movie about Marvel, yeah, or whatever they they like make a point out of acknowledging it, and I guess you kind of have to because it's like one of those comic book things that's like really cheesy. Yes, it's bad. That bit doesn't land well. It is bad. Yeah, and it's probably the cheesiest moment of the first one. Yeah, I agree with that. And they should have just removed it. (laughs) Yeah, they should have. I, you don't have to, you didn't even have to use that character name at no. all because it's like pretty much irrelevant. They could be, there could be any, any number of reasons why she's called that. They could have had the, the little girl come up with a name for her. I mean, there's any, there's any number of reasons, but they did it and I, I wish they hadn't. I, I know. really do. Lieutenant Trouble having had, if she had a line that made her Captain Marvel, could you imagine the through line that we could have yeah. had to this day? Exactly. Oh, man. Poor old, Missed poor old Tiana Paris is like, why didn't they just fix it? They should have fixed it. They can wreck on it. We'll see. <laughs> can you believe it's been almost two months since we've been a movie review? It's shocking because it didn't feel like it um, until we looked at it and we were like, "Who? what was the last review? Blue, Blue Beetle. Right. How is that even possible? But sure enough, it was. Right. So here we are doing another superhero review just as fate would have it. Uh, But don't worry, there's lots of movies down the line. If you're not a superhero person, that's totally okay. We've got lots of other fun stuff coming down the line because Oscar season is just around the corner. Yes. Yeah, this this should be because of the recent news that the MCU is kind of pumping the brakes on theatrical releases. This should really be, you know, we're going to do like a MCU, state of the MCU before we go into that like break. Yeah. um, Like we like to do. But really after that, that's kind of it for a bit, which is going to be, weird i think it will be good um but yeah i mean this is really like it's the third mcu tentpole of this year because of wakanda forever and then quantum mania now this but that this is this is wraps until you know like july of next year right because we only have one mcu movie coming out in 2024 as it's been confirmed which one was it again deadpool 3 Deadpool 3. Deadpool 3, everything else is pushed, which I think is a good move. You know what I hope for Deadpool 3? You know how we have uh, all these crazy moments, like Barbie has a big, had a big theatrical event, right? You dressed up, you got your daughter, you went there, right? Uh, Same kind of thing for Taylor Swift and her movie. I feel like Deadpool 3 is going to be all in on everyone showing up as superheroes. Yeah, they have plenty of time to like get the marketing behind it and they can create, uh, you know, the next Barbenheimer maybe. We'll see. Can you and I go as Wolverine and Deadpool? Yes, as long as I can be... Hmm. I think you need to be Wolverine. I mean, you've got the hair. I probably need to be Wolverine. You've got the, the height? The dark the dark hair. The Wolverine is actually short in the comics. Oh. Hugh Jackman's not short. No. But he, Wolverine is. Yeah. That's one of the that's one of the sticking points with the fandom okay. of, among the character. But we'll figure something out. We'll figure something out. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Well, without further ado... Let's dive into the Marvels. Let's figure mm. out what's going on. We've got all of our superlatives to digest and dissect. And just a reminder, we are only going to pick the first thing out of our mouth. So if I'm going first today and whatever I pick. Oh, well, okay. All right, then. <laughs> That's right. That's fine. I've decided because I don't have any backup notes if I don't <laughs> go first. <laughs> this is actually a compliment. 
Because what you're saying is that you you think of me as someone who's kind of like uh, light on their feet, someone who can who's a quick thinker. Yes, that's how I'm choosing to interpret it. That's so, exactly yeah. how I'm choosing. Thank you, I appreciate that. Not to destroy uh, whatever your true thoughts are on the movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's and all your good. true superlatives. I also think as I was scoring it, I thought I think he's going to pick the opposite things of me, anyways. Ooh. So we'll see. We'll see if it all if it all yeah, lays out. Yeah, I can't wait. You'll have to tell me once we get into your side of things. But I'm going first. Mm-hmm. The first superlative we're going to talk about is, and the Oscar goes to where mm-hmm. we pick our best actor of the of the film. And mine goes to Iman Vellani. Love it. She plays Kamala Khan, right? Yep. Kamala. Kamala Khan. I always mix up the name because of our vice president. Like Kamala I think Harris. They're different it's, pronunciations. That's hard. Yeah, they're, they they are different pronunciations. That's, I, never, I didn't think about that. It's not fair. They both became huge in, <laughs> at the 20, same time in 2022. So here we Weird. are. Kamala Khan. She is such. You uh, just said it wrong. Oh no, Kamala. Kamala. Khan. <laughs> Go back. What is it? What is it again? Kamala Khan. Kamala Khan. <laughs> Iman Vellani plays this character <laughs> called Miss Marvel. <laughs> and she's phenomenal. She she just does such a good job. From her her Disney Plus series, I thought that the first couple episodes of that series were well done, well structured, and then I thought it kind of fell apart. Um, but from getting that character, that glimpse of that character, and getting it into a film perspective and uh, concise storyline, mm-hmm. I really thought it was a home run for her. This movie was all... Honestly, it should have been just called Miss Marvel because it was really her movie. Uh, she's got grounded humor, situational humor. She's got really unique acting choices and perfect relationship, unique relationships per character, per actor that she comes across. Um, she's like the new Peter Parker, honestly. Uh, what Tom Holland did for the MCU, they've kind of retconned that uh, naivety and into this character, and I think it works perfectly well. It's it's different enough that where you're not going to be like, well, I mean, the toxic people will they'll say it's just peter parker again but i really think that this is such a good direction to win the hearts of the mcu naysayers and fans back so that's my win oscar straight out to you Mon Vellani. i hope we continue to see her story arc yeah. improve i don't know how they can make it progress uh, effectively but i felt like from the beginning of this film to the end of it it was a really perfect expression of what she's learning and learning who she is and who she is to other people yeah it i mean you hit the nail on the head i think she's exactly what this movie needed and in a way i feel like she's what the MCU needs mm-hmm. right now in a lot of different ways. Um, great casting director, uh, Sarah Hallie Finn, who's been doing all the casting on every Marvel movie. Just like since the beginning of the MCU, wow. like she cast Robert Downey Jr. As I admit. So they, a lot of times when they go through this process, they have somebody in mind with Miss Marvel. They, they had a clean slate and they were just like, let's open it up and have open casting. They do this for other roles too, but a lot of times they're thinking we want this person or this, these are the three we would consider, yep. but not with this casting. And I'm, I'm kind of like, this is the case for doing that every time. Cause she's to your point, just phenomenal. She's great. She has, she, the authenticity that she brings to the character is so believable because she is a Marvel fan. Yes. She was a Marvel fan. She still is. She's like constantly like uh, clapping back at Kevin Feige <laughs> about the the like nuance and all the intricacies of the Marvel universe. So she plays this role so well because she knows it so well. But it's not just that. It's not that she's playing herself. It's that she understands the role very well. Mm-hmm. And they've created such a good role. Yes. You know, I think they've really like the the style that they chose for that Miss Marvel show and the way that they've decided to go with her story is just brilliant i think it's perfect and you're right this she is the 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 beating heartbeat of this movie exactly what this movie needs and she just provided it um in every take so Mm -hmm. 
That's a good pick. I would have picked her. Oh, I, I actually would have picked her. I thought um, you were going to pick someone else. Well, you thought I was going to pick who I'm going to pick, which is Brie Larson, because you know, you know, uh, of my love for Brie Larson. I think she's unbelievably gifted. I think um, we were talking recently, like if you stack up like the actors that are in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, she's right there. I mean, she's an Academy Award winner. Mm-hmm. She, the thing is, she has range yes. too. She's got so much range. She can do so many other things. Um, if you've seen some of her other movies, I mean, she's in Don John. She's in Twenty One Jump Street. She's in. Um, Room. She's in Room. She's in uh, The Spectacular now. She's in so many movies, and she always brings something different to the table. Short Term 12, a uh, movie that uh, you know you and I both really, really love. Yes. And that's what's been kind of puzzling about her MCU tenure is that it has been uh, tenuous. It's been a tenuous tenure <laughs> because I think that, <laughs> first of all, she made some comments like early on in her career um, – when she was getting interviewed that she didn't want to be asked questions by a man. And that, that hit people hard because the Marvel cinematic universe fandom is still largely male. That's no secret. Everybody knows that. And that came during a time where things were very charged and still are. And so it rubbed people the wrong way. And I know that she, she just kind of has an ism that rubs some people the wrong way. Um, and so I think it's been hard for them to carve out a character with her because they've been trying to be so safe with it because they want people to like her so much. Mm-hmm. So I felt like somewhat in Captain Marvel, definitely in like Avengers Endgame, they gave her like no personality traits. They gave nothing. her like no character traits, nothing to work with. And the kind of stuff that they had her do to make her seem like fierce and stuff just totally neutralized any relatability of that character whatsoever. Like the eye squinting, the kind of raspy voice that she was doing in this movie, they fixed all of that. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, in general, I want to see Brie Larson. Like I want to see people give her another chance because she said some stuff. You can debate whether or not she should have said it or whatever, or whether her attitude was right. What have you actors are asked to comment on a lot of things all the time. And sometimes that pressure gets to you. And I think that being a young woman, it's a really hard industry to come up in. Mm. So I, I give her the benefit of the doubt. Sometimes, I don't know, maybe more than I should. If you think that she's making comments that are insensitive, but I do give her the benefit of the doubt. I wish other people would, because I think she's so gifted. I think she's so talented. And I think she got the chance to show that again in this movie. And I really liked that. She was just a much more real version of this character. I didn't think the writing was always there for her character still. I still feel like they haven't figured this character out. And it's bizarre because in the comics, she's such a good character, especially the more recent comics, like the higher, further, faster, um, like run that they had in like the two thousands that this is mostly based on. Yeah. That version of the character is one that you could slot in right next to the guardians of the galaxy as like, very personable, funny, sci-fi, goofy, like, mm-hmm. Sarcastic. and they just, yeah, and they just have chosen kind of not to do that, and I just, uh, I, I don't get it, it's frustrating, um, but I do think they made good strides in this movie, I think, under the direction of Nia DaCosta, they stripped it back down to basics, and they were just like, who is this character, what do we want her to be, why is Brie this character, what parts of Brie can we bring into this character, and they just kind of nailed it in a lot of places, she was asked to deliver some weird lines from time to time, there are some script issues with this movie, I'm going on and on and on, but by and large, a much improved version of Captain Marvel, and a much improved, 
performance by Brie Larson, though I don't think her earlier performances were her fault. I do think this was a better performance because of all parties involved, and she got to show what she can do. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100% on it's not Brie's fault that the character is in the state that it is. The character has sucked. Yeah. it has. It, the character sucks. Yeah. And they haven't done it right. It's not, there's no dimension to it. And I'll speak, that's my entire director's shoes, by the way. So we'll just get there. In a okay. Bit. <laughs> yeah. Great. Perfect. But before we do, let's do my scene stealer. This is the person who was in the movie. Your, your best supporting actor, if you will. Um, but I was going to pick Brie Larson and now I, my whole plan. <laughs> yeah. Take that. That's what you get. Falling apart. <laughs> so I'm going to have to wing this right now, but the next best choice, if it's not Brie Larson, it has to be Tiana Paris. Tiana Paris. She's fantastic. Um, she's showing up in things that I didn't know that she was even a part of like um they cloned tyrone she was absolutely phenomenal in that mm. of course she are her big claim to fame of course was wandavision uh, aside uh, ne- next to elizabeth olsen but i really feel like i'm seeing other colors of her performances yeah. uh and now that she's kind of branched out a little bit and she's coming back to the mcu we got to see this character uh very very expanded uh the monica rambeau that we knew that we saw in WandaVision now has more layers to her, which is very fun. I don't think that they uh, necessarily prepared us properly to show us those colors. Mm-hmm. Um, it, they're, they're, it almost seems like inside jokes are happening inside the movie. Yes. Because there are, there's like a line, there's a couple lines that happen. And you're like, that seems like it was added, but there's no other, there's no support to make that joke land. There's a couple moments like that. Despite that, when you see uh, Tiana on on screen, she commands the screen and she knows what she's doing. And you know that you, you're going to have uh, either a very clear, poignant moment with her or a very laugh-out-loud uh, comedic moment. Like, she can do it all. So I love seeing her kind of develop her powers a little bit more in this. Though the way they describe her powers is not exactly how her powers are used. That's a flaw in the yeah, writing. Yeah, yeah, yep. <laughs> uh, that she can see light. Well, she can also manipulate it. Uh, it's not just her seeing light and energy like she actually uses her powers and you see her <laughs> yeah use it throughout so that's a you know that's another director's shoes if you will but i will say that seeing her in this role again uh growing bigger and stronger i'm excited to see how she fits in with with the new avengers group and what that looks like uh, how she pairs up with who she sides with is it only going to be captain marvel or yeah. is there someone else she can pair up with that's also going to be uh, the antithesis to her or someone where she can just like be really good friends with as well. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think there are some, I think some stuff got lost in the edit yeah. here um, because this is a slim and trim movie at only like, what was it? 90 minutes. Yeah. Um, so to your point, there are times where there's a moment, a character moment, some sort of intimate something. And you feel like you just don't have all the information no. <laughs> to like make sense of it or to have it, deliver that emotional punch that it's supposed to. So I agree with that, but she, she's so gifted. I mean, she always has been, um, uh, she was in, if Bill street could talk, right. Um, Maybe I have a hard time. It's either that one or there was another movie that came out around the same time. She was in that. Yeah. That's what, okay. That's what I thought. And, um, she's always had it. She's always had it and she showed it over time in WandaVision. And so it's, it's good to see this character back to your point. Mm-hmm. Um, for my scene stealer, I'm going way off the board here. Like way off the board. Oh, really? Um, to a, to an actor who I was not familiar with prior to this film named Abraham Papola. Yes. Or Papula, who played Dag, who is a saber agent who kind of like um, reports to Nick Fury yeah. on the goings on in this like international space station thing that they are in, which is like a saber base. And talk about like, again, you know me and my sports analogies. If you watch this show, like talk about like knowing your role. Like this guy 
is not here to steal the show in any way, but he's got a specific purpose, a character purpose. There's a reason he plays a character called Dag. I don't even know that they ever mentioned his name. No. Who knows? Um, but he's not doing too much with it. He's doing the exact right amount, and he adds to the believability of this film in such a significant way. I mean, like, this is our first exposure, really, to this agency, which is, we learn about it in WandaVision, but it's like a spinoff of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's called Saber. It's like the intergalactic you know, version of shield mm-hmm. and he adds some real credibility to it, some real authenticity to this. And you're like, yeah, this feels like a government agency. This guy seems like, you know, who they would have, like somebody who's got under control. He's a scientist. He's, you know, understands like the gravity of the situation. Um, I just thought he did a really good job and it's the kind of performance as, as scene stealer performances tend to be where you're like, I got to look that guy up. Yeah. Well, you know, what's his deal? Um, oh. I hope to see him again. Absolutely. I yeah. mean, he, you just see him and he doesn't have to, he doesn't even have to speak yet. And you're like, I want to know everything about this man. Yeah. <laughs> he is so compelling. He's got the coolest deep voice. Great voice. Ever heard. And you don't know quite where he's from, which is also just like, makes you lean in closer. Uh, it's it just like the bass in his voice just like blows you out of your seat as you're watching <laughs> the movie. You're like, tell me more. And a Abraham. great physical presence. I think to your point yeah. about not having to hear him speak, he's sitting there and he's holding the tablet yeah. and he's like, doop, doop, doop. And it's all so natural and it looks so real that you're like, that guy's a real agent of this thing. Like yes. uh, uh, whatever he's doing on there, there's probably nothing on there. It's all going to be added in post, but he's like, you know, he's, he's doing the thing and yeah. you're like, yeah, that, that checks out. It's, it's amazing as if they plucked him straight from the international <laughs> space station. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Things you've probably seen him in. He was in the failed, uh, dark tower, uh, TV Ooh. movie, which is yeah. strange. Um, he was in Cruella. He was in Morbius. Also he failed. was in Cruella. Yeah. You're right. That's he, a good. That's actually a really underrated movie. He but. was in Andor in two episodes, apparently. Oh, I mean, he's he's been around and he's coming up in some um, some great some great things, including the ballerina spinoff. Oh, with. let's go! Oh, dude, yes, yes, yes. He could fit right into that like the John continental Wick John Wick universe so well because he's like such a slick. Such a smooth operator. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm so here for that. Excellent choice. Let's I was go. I was considering him and home run. Home run Love was a good it. choice. We're going to rate each other's uh, picks now. <laughs> that was a good pick. That was a bad pick. That, that pick was terrible. No. Let's go with uh, Showstopper now. We're going to talk about our favorite moments, uh, biggest production value uh, moments, or maybe it's a through line, maybe it's a theme, maybe it's the writing, whatever it may be, uh, our favorite parts of the film. And I have to say that my favorite showstopper was an extended scene that all relates to the flurkin. If you remember in <laughs> Captain Marvel, there was this cat that just kind of just kind of kept hanging around um, and just became, became kind of a pet. It was Samuel Jackson. He was Gucci gooing like, oh, little cat. His name was Goose. He's like, goosey, goosey, goo. And then we see that at the end of Captain Marvel, he starts eating people. And mm-hmm. he's the reason that uh, Nick Fury has an eye patch as well. He takes out his eye. <laughs> yes. Fantastic story. I love it. The whole the whole concept. I, I absolutely loved it. People thought that him losing his eye from the flurkin was a cop out. I don't care who. I thought it was funny. Love it. Well, there's a big, big, very important flurkin scene 
in this film that I can't spoil for you today, but you need to go see it. And it's, you thought like, what are they going to do to enhance the flurkin, enhance Goose's scene in this film? Will he even be a side note? No, he is absolutely front and center, a giant plot point in this film, and you have to see it. It is something that is so on brand with the MCU that it, it will win the hearts and give your own personal score for this movie a big bump. Um, if you're a big Guardians fan, which most people are, it's something to something akin to what the Guardians uh, group would do mm-hmm. with a scene in one of their films. And I thought it was absolutely perfect. I loved every execution point of it. Go see uh, this. Hopefully, it'll be online in a couple of months yeah. It, too. Embrace embrace the absurdity of the flurkin, yeah. right? You know, like it's it's a purely comedic thing. Yeah. It's a cat that has giant tentacles that comes out of its mouth and eats things. In the comics, it's a purely comedic thing. Uh, the Flurkin is, you know, actually the Guardians of the Galaxy in the comics with Captain Marvel that I was referencing earlier have an encounter with the Flurkin. Oh, and that yes. bit that's in the first movie where uh, Talos is like, that's a that's a Flurkin, you know, that's not a cat. Yeah. Uh, it's Rocket, Rocket who does it in the, in the comics. Yeah, so <laughs> it totally plays. Um, it's a, yeah, it's a great comedic through line. I like that pick a lot. Um, my pick is... The action montage in the first act of the movie, like the first 25 to 30 minutes of the movie, Mm -hmm. um, rocks. And uh, this movie is directed by Nia DaCosta, who is a really, I I really like her. She's newer on the scene. She directed a movie called Little Woods. She directed um, the, what I think is a really brilliant Candyman um, requel that came out. I can't remember if that was 2020 or 2021 or something like that. Loved it. Uh, it's one of my favorite movies over the last five years, like period, end of story. She's really talented. And in this montage, which, you know, I was kind of eager to see, like she's directing an action movie. Like, mm-hmm. what's this going to look like? Um, the choreography and the camera staging was awesome. Um, particularly, it's something we kind of became accustomed to through the fight sequences that were in the Mar- that were in Miss Marvel. Yes. Um, that t- some of them took place or just her using her powers like in the con residence. Um, there's some really cool staging that goes on and some really cool camera work. And that was very much in place. And as you've seen in the trailers, this is not a spoiler. Um, their powers become entangled. Um, and so that's like when somebody uses their powers, they switch places and there's some really creative um, action beats that are based on that. Yes. Early on where they don't know that it's happening and it all plays really well. It all looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Marvel's been having some issues on the VFX front recently. This particular sequence, excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, it just really is a great way to start off the film. It happens within like the first, like, like I said, like 25 to 30 minutes. And it just really sets the tone very nicely. So that's my it. showstopper. I love it. Well, let's flip this thing on its head and talk about director's shoes. Things that could have been better. Things we didn't like necessarily. I have two things. One is also the VFX. Those sequences were perfect. Mm-hmm. But there are several other scenes that yes. seem so mishandled <laughs> in the film and I was like wait a second what we really are seeing uh the the struggle right here on screen yes. with the marvels and the the fight to the reason why they unionized the reason why they demanded like hey we need things in place to protect us to protect the art that we put out we have enough time to do it because our name is on it yep. and we want it to look good but we can't do all of this last minute one week before it gets distributed change ups can't do it and I think that showed but the, por- the parts that they <laughs> they did but though you're exactly right those entanglement switch ups Spot on. Absolutely mm-hmm. perfect. My other one go back to, is, goes back to Captain Marvel. Okay, so Captain Marvel's character, the, the biggest thing that they've tried to protect 
uh, Brie Larson and protect this character as it was the first single outing as a female superhero, right? Captain Marvel was when it, when it came out. They, they try to just play the, they just pl- try to play feminism or they try to play uh, pro-woman, which there's nothing wrong with that. However, as an actor, you cannot be feminism. That doesn't work. So mm-hmm. when you're when you're training as an actor, you learn verbs. So you might be able to you, when you're with your when, with another actor, you're trying to persuade them yep. to get what you want or what you need. So you could say, "I'm going to persuade Cam to believe in me. I'm going to defend against Cameron from him attacking my take and my pick. I'm going to uh, destroy him." But you cannot say, "I'm going to feminism this character." Yeah. It doesn't work. However, using those actual verbs within the context of who Captain Marvel is, who Carol Danvers is, then you can create the character and create the the full theme and strength of this character mm-hmm. that you want. So there are moments when they do when they don't do that, and you see it on, especially in this film, uh, you see it on Bree's face when she is actually acting and not trying to hold the world of women and women's rights on her shoulders, right? Because it's impossible. But she can be a pivotal and critical, uh, empowering character, on screen character to excel that and to uh, to win help win those and helps change hearts and educate people uh, moments where she's like racing toward her her quote her kind of semi niece right Tiana Paris uh, Lieutenant Trouble when she's trying to go help her or save her or aid to her there's a big moment you see it on her face like there's love there's uh, there's desperation but mm-hmm. she's not thinking how can I make sure that I am the, uh, the <laughs> a rose- feminist hero in this <laughs> <Yes>. moment <laughs> how am I too rosy riveter like yeah. you can't do that so that's the that's the biggest problem i have with the character because it wasn't right in the first film and it's not it's still not right in the second one and i think that if they can listen to this podcast right here (laughs) they will make the changes i I hope that that's somewhere on their radar in their focus groups that they can change it so that way they can actually have a fully formed character and get a home run on all the things that they're trying to do yeah, the character's got baggage galore. Yeah. They're giving her way too much to try to do in the performance when it, and to your point, it needs to exist in the subtext. It needs to exist in the script. It needs to, like, unless you're going to outwardly comment on it, which yeah. these kind of movies aren't that. You know, superhero movies, they don't comment on anything. There's themes of stuff all the time. And all these MCU movies, I know people say they're not cinema or whatever. There's theming. Yes. There's things they're trying to get across. Like, there is subtext. They can do that, you know, like that's the way it should be done. Um, that's the most effective way to get a point across. That's the most effective way to tell a story. Right. Uh, but when you try to force things in that just, you know, in the performance or you try to like direct that way, I don't really know where it's coming from mm-hmm. in the whole creative process. Something tells me it's probably the Marvel executives who are, you know, on the floor being hands on with the movie because they're like, trying to enforce that, you know? Um, that's what it has always f- sort of felt like, but you're right. There's just something to that. Yeah. Tell the story, uh, be the characters, and they will fit the, they will fill the needs of the theme. Yes. That's what we need to hear. If it's a re- well-written story, it will do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it could have done that here. Uh, good ones. My director's shoes, it's the villain. <laughs> it's yeah. the villain again, man. Marvel, come on. They've been much maligned on their villain choices. I won't say too much about the villain. I don't want to spoil too much because there's really not a lot on her in the trailer. She is shown, her weapon is shown, which should be iconic for those of you who are Marvel historians or have watched any of the MCU movies. It's appeared a couple of times, both in uh, Captain Marvel and 
Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Um, this villain blows. I mean, just really sucks. It there's nothing to her at all. I mean, there's like just like <laughs> there's no life behind those eyes. Not no no disrespect to the the actor uh, who plays the role, um, who is uh, Zowie Ashton. It's just yep. a really poorly written character, dreadfully written with a really like boilerplated backstory and just really, they didn't even try with this. And what really grinds my gears about this one is like, we've had lots of bad villains um, in the Marvel cinematic universe without doubt. Yeah. But this one creates like continuity issues. Yes. (laughs) And I will just say like, I don't feel like this is a spoiler. If it is annihilate me in the comments (laughs) or just go earmuffs. We know how powerful Captain Marvel is based on her appearance, particularly in Avengers Endgame, mm-hmm. where she's like being shot with a thousand zillion missiles from a Tritari tr- airship and then just like carves it up and then like fights Thanos hand to hand while he's got the Infinity Gauntlet on. Like she's she's bad to the bone. You know, like <laughs> she is the strongest Avenger, period, end of story. And it's not particularly close. Um what it's not clear at all why she needs the help of two other heroes to fight this person. Right. That we've, we're given no reason to believe why she's stronger. They try to explain it, but it doesn't add up the actual, the math of it. Cause like we've seen her weapon before and we've seen the other thing that enhances her powers before. And so it's like, you're doing the math and you're like, it's just, you know, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, so that really irked me. Yeah. Um, and so the villain's bad, but then the villain also like hurts the continuity, which is uh, just bad. It is. It's just bad writing. It is. So. Uh, also, spoiler alert, um, the villain is married to Tom Hiddleston. Yes, that's right. That blew my mind. Yes, I knew that. Um, yeah. So. So they're just too bad. Again, bad nothing, people. <laughs> nothing to her at all. It's just like this character. What were they thinking? It just did. It wasn't well rounded at all. They, they, they obviously had to spend the chunk of their time uh, making sure that your big three, the big three heroes, were well integrated. Had a, had big moments together, saved the day, whatnot. But they did not take into effect like the stakes matter. You have to have a bad villain for the hero stuff to matter. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I couldn't believe, like, again, I said it was boilerplate. Like, I could not believe how overtly cliche and boilerplate this backstory was when they went into it. I could have scoffed out loud. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, you're kidding. I, I was like, "There, surely there's going to be some sort of left hook or twist to this. Nope. Nope. That's very clear. Just very yep. straightforward. It's like, okay, well, I could have written that, and I'm not smart. So, <laughs> like, come on, guys. Oh, man. Okay, well, you are smart, and let's talk about our final <laughs> thoughts and scores. Uh, I hope that this film shows the haters of Captain Marvel that Captain Marvel was a good film <laughs> because mm-hmm. I enjoyed Captain Marvel over this one, but I still think that this is a good installment to the MCU as a whole. I don't think this can be discarded uh, as Thor 2 or Thor 4. <laughs> Sorry, Thor, even though he's my favorite superhero. Um, I think that this film has bright spots. It has very bright spots, but they don't always get the con- continuity uh, correct. Mm-hmm. That is through writing, that is through editing, that is through character development, and it just seems a little choppy for, for my liking. Um, it does it does things in it that were shocking when you, when you know that the world it has all of its eyes on it. This had so many reshoots. 
why wasn't this film another home run with all the things happening in the MCU? Maybe this is the turning point. There are some very uh, exciting things that do happen in this to set up future Marvel projects, including some of the uh, post-credit scenes. Maybe some some of the most memorable post-credit scenes that we've seen in probably 15 projects uh, since Marvel. So I would say that this film, my liking of it, not super high, but I do enjoy different bits and pieces of it. My score today is 5.9 out of 10. Girdles. I cannot believe you just said that that's the score that I had in my head. No, you did five, not. Nine. Yeah, 5.9. Um, <laughs> So I'm going to stick with it. I'm not going to change it. Yep. Though I hate when we're the same. <laughs> but I I have to agree. <laughs> I have to. It's I believe it in my heart to be true. <laughs> I think this is a 5-9 movie. I think, um, and that's, you know, we're going to go back and do some segments where we rescore some things because I've kind of changed my philosophy recently. And I think that I gave Quantumania a higher score than that, even though I think that it's probably a worse movie, but the, the third act is so good. That's the difference. Like in this movie, the first act is good. And the other two acts are like Mm -hmm. not great. So it finishes strong, which is kind of like what Marvel has done over the years is like, they always find a way to finish a movie in a pleasing way. This movie didn't really finish very highly. Um, the VFX stuff is notable. Uh, once again, it's, it's like quantum media where you're like, wow, I can't believe that made it into the final cut. That's <laughs> unbelievable. Like they released this movie two theaters for people to pay for. And it looks bad. Um, pretty much anytime Tayana Paris is involved with flying sheesh. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there was a scene in particular where I was like adjusting my glasses, <laughs> like surely, <laughs> Did I step into a 3D theater and <laughs> yeah. I forgot my glasses? Uh, it's like, there's no way it looks that bad. It did. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there are, there are good, there are good beats in this movie. There's some, there's some good set pieces. There are some wild set pieces that were like bold in all the wrong ways. In my opinion, <laughs> I give them credit for trying, but it just like did not land. And the character stuff is the character and story stuff is what really drags this thing down. I think like, there's some stuff about it that I really remember fondly and uh, I don't think it's like, I think it's rewatchable to a certain degree. I don't think it's yes. unrewatchable. Um, but the story and the characters make this like a very forgettable entry into the MCU and like a pretty inconsequential uh, affair overall. So I think we saw the box office numbers were not good. I think part of that's unfair because I think the people just have a target on this character for the reasons that I talked about earlier. Whether it's fair or not, that's up to you to decide. I think it's slightly unfair. I think we should give him the benefit of the doubt. What have you. But this movie's forgettable. It's a 5-9. It's not any better than that. I'm leaving it there. <laughs> well, if you rely on our scores <laughs> for, for your viewing, just know that, again, it is a rewatchable movie. Not like a ton, um, but also just know that we are completely in sync on this one. Shockingly. I was sitting there going, I hope he doesn't say 5-9 because... I, I have been racking my brain because we saw this on Thursday, which is really nice that we've had. We're recording this on Sunday. It's really nice, this new format, that we have some days to kind of sit with it because uh, the recency bias kind of fades, and that's why I feel yes. like my scores are a little bit more clear. And this one was like, I couldn't shake 5.9. I was like, 
Can't go to six one. Can't go to six. This is a five nine. If I go lower, I think it's an insult. And it's so funny that you were in the same place. I think I must be a telepath because I hadn't picked my score yet. I'll be perfectly honest oh. with you. So if you were screaming five, yeah, I think it was. How... It must have inter. It must have just <laughs> flown over there. That's funny. Incredible. Well, we are so thankful that you guys chose us to listen to our review of the Marvels. We've got lots more movies to review this year and forevermore. This is probably episode close to episode three hundred, uh, but not quite there. Yeah, who knows but, but we're excited to get there with you if you like us make sure you subscribe to us on youtube on tiktok those are coming back uh we've got lots of uh blogs and, and vlogs on the way make sure you find us anywhere popcorn for breakfast we appreciate you all we will talk to you the next time for our next review peace peace